welcome back again. This is Steve Springer. We're looking at the procession of praise, and we've been talking about the congregation of the saints and the purpose of gathering a praise group and moving together in a time of praise before the Lord. And we were talking about David and the tabernacle of David and the ark, moving it up through the streets of Jerusalem into that tent of meeting. And the point is, is that David had the group, he had the procession, he had all the people there. They had worked it out. They knew what they're supposed to do. But they also had an arrival point. The procession was heading to Mount Zion, the tabernacle of David. And it was the Ark of the Covenant. And to us, that's Jesus, of course. But they were actually coming to a specific place. You know, Psalms 22.3 says God inhabits the praise of his people. There's a habitation that takes place when people gather and they begin to praise him. And that was understood. Not only was it understood by David, but it was experienced. And that's why he wrote that psalm. Some of the translations, though, will say things like this. It says that God inhabits the praises are on your throne. The praises of the people are your throne. It says this, that the one Israel, that group of people, is the praises of your throne. You are enthroned upon those praises. Most translations, though, say we, he, when we gather before him, he is enthroned on the praise that we offer. So the arrival point was understood. We have a moment in our services that we attend where people pause for a moment, the singing's over, but they're just not sure what the next step is. They assume that it's the pulpit, that people are going to come up and teach or talk and lead, and that's what it is, that's true. But when you come before the Lord, if there's been a moment of his presence there, human beings will pause and they'll say, whoa, wait a minute, what's the next step? Is the Lord here? And if they sense that, the theophany of God and Jesus being in that room, they will take a pause. And that brings leadership to a short moment where they have to say to themselves, what should we do next? You know, in Solomon's temple, there was also a procession. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they brought it into the temple of Solomon. And when you read that story, there is a definite manifestation of God's presence. Uh, Solomon falls and worships for hours before him there. And then the people come back and they praise and they rejoice. And there are scriptures and things that we can find that describe that. But what takes place at the Solomon's temple at one point in history, it's all gone. It disappears. What happens is the temple is overrun by the Babylonians because of the sin, of course, of Israel and the problems they were having. That They come and they take over. They break the Solomon's temple apart. They don't find the Ark of the Covenant, but they find other things and they tear the temple down and blocks are left surrounding on the ground and it's just a mess. The Israelites go into dysphoria where they're pushed out and the Lord sends them out into all over the place, just disperses them. And the city of Samaria and the life of the Samaritans begins. 
at some point in time around that time in history, 400, 500 BC, the Jewish people that are left and they're scattered, but they're still struggling to stay together, they create what is called the synagogue, the house of prayer, the place where teaching and education starts to resurface. No longer was the temple there. Solomon's temple wasn't there. Now, not in place of the temple, but now there are small groups of survivalists, basically, the Israelites who wanted to stay together and and do the right thing. They create these synagogues over time, but there's no mention of a procession of praise to get to those places. There's no theophany. There's no mention of his manifest presence. The destination of the procession of praise is non-existent. No longer is there a holy altar with his manifest presence, and that changes things. Instead, it's an organized tradition found in the life of those who attend and maintain the synagogue, the meeting place. Now, if you study the synagogue, you'll see that there is a specific outline in a structure that they have where people sit, where they come, uh, where the rabbis will stand and how the service takes place. And in the middle of that room in the synagogue, there is the reader's table. It's a bima, the reader's table. It's center stage. It's the main focus. It's the place of authority. Now, for us, over time, it becomes the pulpit. Today, the destination is not God's holy altar. We don't see a holy altar when we gather. There's nothing there. But the place of theophany, the place where God manifests himself, his very presence is now just talked about. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am with you in that place. And that's just about as close as we can get with his manifest presence, unless you can move a little bit further and discover this new place. And instead of an organized tradition found in the life of those that attend meetings, and that's kind of where it comes from, our traditions come from the lives that we live, but you find that within the New Testament church, they were living and breathing the name of Jesus, but they were still had mixed relationships with the Jewish community and the idea and the ceremonial process of the synagogue bleeds over into the first century church. Now, instead of a reader's table, the church eventually, by the second, third century, they developed the pulpit, and it resembles all that had taken place after Solomon's temple. Now, I am pro-altar of worship, I am not anti-denominations, I'm not anti-groups, but I am pro-altar of worship because when people gather and God's presence is the main idea, the focus, the desire, there becomes a place, a table that we come to. It's not handmade, it's not a podium, and it's not traditional or metaphorical, it's not a platform. Teaching tables are necessary. The pulpit is necessary, but it's not meant to fill the requirement of the altar of worship. This is hard for us 
to swallow and to get into this because it's just like Jesus. You know he's real, but you don't see him. You sense his presence. You hear his voice, but you don't see it. It's the same with the altar of worship. Our procession of praise, it ends at the pulpit. It ends at the reading table. And it turns into a time of sharing and teaching and information and evangelistic messages. That's right. That's okay. But this is the ritual that we face today. It's hard for communities and social groups to understand that they do develop rituals over time and traditions. Even the ones who have the best intentions, they will automatically create those places. You know, people come and they stand in church and they sing and they join in this procession. But in the back of their minds, they know where they're going. They know they're heading to a reading table, to the pulpit, and someone else is going to take over and they get to relax and just be there. And that replaces the theophany of Jesus. Why do I say that? Well, I'm going to talk about that in the next podcast. It's probably going to take us one or two more to get through this topic, but it's definitely an eye-opening thing because for us to be worshipers... We need to get through the procession of praise and find that altar of worship so we can, as priests, Levites, believers, move in the Holy Spirit, worshiping Him at His altar. <laughs>